Shalom, this is Yarbin Emmett again with another exciting edition of the Torah Watchman podcast channel. Thank you so much for all the people that are interested in this podcast channel. Uh, without your contributions, without your listening interest in me, uh, you know, it would impact my motivation, my inner motivation, right? But you know, we are we should be in command of our own uh, motivation because our internal motivation controls every single decision making thing we things that we have in our life and our worldview and everything else okay you're talking about blockers and talking about impediments um is it your college education is it talking about who you're married to talking about things you had in your past you've done wrong but you know control that subconscious that inner motivation factor there and then you can move in that forward track despite the way the world is moving against you yes god bless you all listen the title of this podcast uh, edition is what is nakba what is nakba okay i actually had to do some um current research on this subject i've heard this term thrown around um uh, for years now usually hear about Nakba, usually following after a series of of national um, uh, Israeli holidays, memorials. And I'm talking about the 1948 uh, Independence Day. I'm talking about the um, Yom Hazakaran, uh, the Memorial Day, uh, the the, uh, celebration of Jerusalem Day and things of that nature. Well, following all of this, and on May 15th of every year, you have Nakba, Nakba Day. Now, let's define some terms here. Please stay with me. Um, a dichotomy of terms is, if it's so bad living in Israel as an Arab, then how do you define good or bad? If being an Arab in Israel is a catastrophe, one is hard to press to look, uh, look to imagine what success would look like, okay? <laughs> because, you know, Nakba... Or Al Nakba means the, it means the catastrophe. Okay, that's what it means. Um, I'm going to read an op-ed. I'm going to read an op-ed here um, from from Aret Seven News Service or Israel Israel National News. Okay, and uh, they just give a little bit of history. And I'll give you a quick um, uh, um, a time capsule here of history. Everyone knows about the 1948 uh, independence of Israel, first time in 2,000 years. Um, a group of Zionist naturalists uh, had to come together um, since you know the 1930s, and uh, Jews living in that area of Eretz Israel before 1948, probably 1946 and 47, leading to 48, and they just essentially said enough is enough, and they they um, went with the UN, and uh, the UN actually the whole area was known as a British colony, a British Commonwealth in that time. Okay. Because the British had defeated the Ottomans, the last Turks there, um, leading up to this event in the 1930s. So actually, you know, uh, the UK uh, was thinking about what to do with the Jewish issue after the Holocaust. Uh, all the refugees, yeah, legitimate war refugees are the Jewish people. Um, you know, because many people had to have a place to come and call home again. And set up roots again and reestablish their lives after the horrors of the Holocaust had ended. 
Uh, so a big block of people that came back to Israel in 1948 were Holocaust survivors and their children. Uh, but anyway, a Knesset was formed quickly, uh, within 24 hours, essentially, after they declared their independence. They declared the independence because they had the legal right through the United Nations to do so. Let's get that straight. Okay, so it was a legal event, okay? Uh, Israel had no intent to do war against its enemies at that time. Uh, the land was carved out, a small sliver of land. Um, um, uh, demarcations on either end, uh, Arab-controlled areas versus Jewish-controlled areas. Um, they gave them limited autonomy in that area, but they had a small sliver of land enough to say, this is our nation, this is our state. Uh, the president the um, president and Russia and the Soviet Union at that time were the, one of the first ones to, to recognize, acknowledge Israel's independence. Uh, then, uh, um, Begrudgingly, a president of the United States acknowledged that too. So it was all legal, all legitimate, okay? However, shortly after 1948 and the months that ensued, there was a massive Arab onslaught uh, of attacks against Israel, terrorist attacks. Uh, but Israel roundly defeated all these uh, Arab nations. Uh, you know, Jordan became a nation in 1946 for the first time in their history. The Hasmonean kingdom out there. Um, that was known as Palestine at that time. Before 1948, the whole land area from uh, up to Lebanon, down to Negev, parts of the Sinai Peninsula, was known as Palestine. Palestine again quickly. Uh, Emperor Hadrian in 1935, when he destroyed Judea, destroyed Jerusalem, and he wanted to undercut the very DNA and the soul, um, bone and marrow of the Jewish uh, uh, rationale for being in that land to ever rise up and oppose any any Roman authority there again. They renamed it essentially Philistine or Syria of Philistine. Okay, and over a period of time, uh, Syria of Philistine became Palestine. In fact, I met a Jewish lady. Uh, she had a birth certificate and actually said she was born in Jerusalem of Palestine. And Jews were roundly known as Palestinians. Arabs there were reluctantly known as Arab Palestinians. Um, in fact, um, 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 most of those people, as far as ethnicity, were actually Syrians. No more than Syrians and Egyptians. Uh, again, uh, there was no such thing as Jordanians until Jordan became a country in 1946. But all these mixed bags of Arabs here were actually Syrians of Syrian descent. Or because the Asmonean kingdom was very limited, it was a more royal breed of people. The rest of the people were just displaced Syrians, Syrian Arabs, okay? So let's get all that way, out of the way. So Nakba talks about the catastrophe, what happened to the Palestinian Arabs um, who had to be forced from their homes. Of course, when you lose a war that you uh, side with on the, on the losing side and you lose war, you lose territory, at least that's a chance to do that. Uh, the United States uh, became a great nation over a period of time, 50 states, uh, since its early uh, 1776 colonial days of, of just 13 colonies, through the action of successful action of prosecution of war and annexation. U.S. got away with it. Uh, other nations got away with it. But, you know, Israel evidently cannot even live self-contained in that little sliver of land uh, without being the threat of annihilation again, another Holocaust. I know um, Rashi had talked about this before, that Israel is not to, uh, to go to war and to gain the land uh, in Israel, um, but we are to wait for the Mashiach, and wait for the end of the days and all this. 
But you know, Israel self-defense has not been an offensive uh, enemy actor against uh, other competing opposing political parties. Okay, uh, Israel only uh, fights and go and uh, conduct combat operations when their national sovereignty is threatened, and that happened in 1967. And Israel roundly destroyed uh, their Arab members, Arab um, nations that attacked them. We're talking about Syria and Jordan, even Egypt. Um, pushed pushed them uh, behind uh, their own borders, uh, acquired large blocks of land like the Sinai Peninsula. Uh, uh, Jews actually went march near Cairo. Um, they took uh, all of the West Bank. They took all of Jerusalem. But every single milestone event of Jewish sovereignty in which we were attacked, unprovoked attacked by Arabs to exterminate us, not just to reach uh, compromise solution that this is was my territory and I have a territory real estate dispute with you like it's going on in East Jerusalem today, okay? But, you know, we have very arguments of who owns what throughout Israel over generations, time, hundreds of years, okay? Yes, Palestinians were there and they have legitimate claims to land uh, that they lived in and their ancestors lived in. But who lived on that land? Who lived in that property in those homes before them, okay? And this is the argument that's been going on uh, for nearly 75 years in Israel. Really, it is. So Nakba talks about catastrophe, okay? Are the Arabs really in that much of a, a sorrowful and, and catastrophic situation living in Israel today compared to other areas in the world? The Palestinians are a mixed breed. Uh, yes, they're Arabs by descent, but they also, they're predominantly Islamic predominantly, I would say, um, uh, Shia uh, and Sunni between the two blocks. Uh, I'm not sure which is larger than whatever. Some are more moderate or, or radical, but some of them are even Christian Arabs, okay? Uh, but they can live pretty much as they choose to in that country, in Israel. Uh, I mean, um, in 2005, uh, Israel made a huge mistake, tactical mistake, for land for peace offering to... to uh, Gaza, and it turned to a terrorist enclave rose, ruled uh, by the tyrants of Hamas, which is the international recognized terrorist organization, a splinter group from Muslim Brotherhood. So, you know, uh, you know, Palestinians could have built a, a, a nice place in Gaza. They could have modernized their infrastructure for their children, putting the children first instead of their own selfish needs, but they didn't. They sided with terrorists, and all they spend their money on is bullets and missiles and bombs, okay? Uh, the same thing can be uh, uh, said by most of, of West Bank, like Janine, where all the, and Ramallah, and all the terrorist centers there. Uh, Mahud Abbas, it sits in a million dollar mansion um, uh, um, within the mountains of West Bank there, okay? Um, and, and he has his pay for slay thing. He pays terrorists to kill and murder uh, innocent Jews. Um, so all this money and everything else does not, not all of it does not go to help the infrastructure, the needs to feed the poor, uh, water rights and things of this nature. In fact, what Bennett does, Prime Minister Natalia Bennett does, he gives free loans to West Bank knowing that he'll never get a, get a shekel back from that. So all the money uh, comes uh, in from other places in the world, predominantly from Arab countries. And yes, U.S. also contributes to the Palestinians. We just pour money into the problem. Uh, like the public schools has failed in the U.S. We pour money on the problem and it just gets worse. This is what happened. They don't generate their own income. 
They don't generate their own wealth. And they don't focus on that because they're focused primarily on it, on embracing hatred against the Jewish people. And that goes from parent to parent to their own children. So this is what what's catastrophic. It's the waste of human human effort, the human uh, potential in in Israel by the Palestinians. They're destroying the children's lives. Every Nakba is not just a memorial. They're thinking about, you know, the good old days, living in Ottoman rule and all this. But it's more about that we are still living under Jewish-controlled Israel, and we want them out of the country. We want to drive them into the sea. Uh, this is what the Palestinian movement is all about. It's the Hamas Charter. It's all about. This is why Palestinians to this day are protesting in Brooklyn, New York. This is why they go before the UN and fake claims of crimes against humanity on how the Israelis are actually defending other Jewish citizens uh, from being shot to death. They have rocks thrown at buses and even tourists coming into the country are at risk. And I and I heard this, their, their, their widows are mourning. Uh, uh, children uh, will not know their father again. These are rabbis that were murdered. These are IDF soldiers that were murdered. These are policemen that were murdered for trying to keep the peace. And I give it to Ben and he's doing everything he can to avoid the next infada uh, in Israel. But you know, uh, Hamas wants a war with the Jews. Uh, I'm not saying the Jews should launch a civil war with Hamas, but you know, war is, uh, is on the horizon. And maybe it's always been going on, okay? Uh, so Nakba means catastrophe, but you know, there's ownership there for the Palestinians. Are they creating catastrophe in their own lives, apart from the Jew? Now, I know not all Arabs are created equal. Many Arabs uh, enjoy the Israeli citizenship rights. They enjoy working with their business partners uh, in mercantile exchange and technology and medical science. They enjoy putting food on the table for their kids. Many Arabs want to make peace, and they know they have it better in Israel than any other Arab country. Uh, think about Yemen and Ethiopia. But I'm just saying here is that, you know, these Palestinian Arabs have the same Israeli entitlements as any uh, Jew born by a righteous Jewish mother in Israel, but they're wasting their lives away. Nakba means catastrophe, not because the Jews are in the land, in power, and the Palestinians are not in power. It's catastrophe because of what they're passing on, their legacy to the children, which is essentially is no future no future, a waste of human potential. That is the real uh, definition of catastrophe for Nakba. This is Yara ben signing out. God bless you. Please go out to YouTube, look up Word and Void, look up Yara ben Emmet. That's Yara, Y-A-A-R, ben Emmet, E-M-M-E-T-T. You can find me on Gmail. That's Yara ben Emmet at Gmail. If you have any questions about this podcast or any other, Please, uh, if, if you'd like to donate a couple cents to me, I would appreciate it. Uh, the uh, spot, I'm on Spotify, I'm on Anchor, I'm on Apple Podcasts and others out there. Please grow the wealth of knowledge and love and truth to everyone you know and let them know that I'm here, a watchman on the hill, not to be hidden. I will always speak the truth, even though that means I don't, not, I don't have a circle of a lot of friends. That's what it's all about. Shalom Aleichem. Yarbin Emmett signing out.